From Manhattan Associates, welcome to the Nucleus of Innovation in 2021, the retail and supply chain podcast which tackles some of the most important and pressing industry topics and developments from around the globe, including the latest and greatest innovations happening today, as well as how to prepare for the supply chain and retail challenges of tomorrow. With mass vaccine rollouts beginning to have a positive effect on global COVID-19 infection rates across a number of countries, many governments have already relaxed rules in sectors such as hospitality, tourism and retail. Health challenges aside, the impact of COVID-19 has had a profound impact on consumer thinking and expectations, driven mostly by an accelerated shift towards digital platforms and e-commerce. It's that shift and the realignment needed by brands to meet post-pandemic consumer expectations that we'll be unpicking and exploring today with our guest, author, retail industry expert and broadcaster, Maya Knights. Maya, delighted to have someone with your wealth of experience and industry know-how join us on Nucleus of Innovation today. So thanks for coming to share your opinions and your thoughts. And with that, let's start with the elephant in the room, online shopping. When you consider that worldwide e-commerce sales grew by nearly 28% in 2020, while total retail sales declined by 3%, this was bound to have an impact on traditional business models, supply chain strategies, and consumer psychology. Maya, talk to us a little bit about how you think the ability to fulfil online growth is changing from a customer and a retail perspective due to the effects of the last 12 months, and what this means for both of those areas moving forward. Well, yes, thank you for having me, James. Um, great question to kick us off with. Um, yeah, I, I often talk about the metaphor of squeezing the balloon. I've had to explain it to a couple of people. I don't know if you need it, if it needs explaining, but when you think about an inflated balloon, um, I don't think consumer spending in and of itself has grown drastically over the last 12 months. Um, consumer earnings, when I mean, we're looking at global recession, um, very small uptick in growth over the next 12 months predicted globally. Um, So there hasn't been a lot of money around essentially, but what has happened is that one part of the balloon filled with air has been squeezed and it's only moved it to somewhere else and that's been online. Um, What does that mean for retailers' business models? I think the traditional retailer, the most traditional retailer, brick and mortar, only has been the absolute most tested um, particularly if you are um, a non in a non-essential category so your stores have been forced to close and you have no e-commerce transactional presence I mean that's just you know worst case scenario and there's a few retailers in the UK we could probably discuss at length um, that are in find themselves in that position so Traditional retailers have been forced to pivot to digital. They've been forced to invest more if in digital if they already had an e-commerce transactional presence. And they've been forced to look really root and branch at their commercial models because fulfilling online isn't as profitable as filling from st- fulfilling from stores. What does that mean? That means essentially, you know, when I come and bag and pick my own goods and bag them and potentially even check them out myself, I'm in helping the retailer maintain um, healthier margins, whereas the, the opportunities of a missed delivery to me, for example, increase the cost of getting goods to me exponentially than me coming to the store. So they've really had to look at their supply chain strategies, as you say. I think consumers, though, a um, bit like 
the other phrase that comes to mind is the genie's out of the bottle. Um, I, I often say that one around Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Um, the expectation is there. I think that that's a good sign, really. We were already already seeing a lot of these trends. Consumers had kind of forsaken the January sales. I mean, we still maybe have back to school and your traditional seasonal um, events. But, you know, Cyber Monday, Black Friday, Prime Day, these are all bargain events that were here well before the pandemic. And in terms of consumer psychology, I think, to my point about the genie being out of the bottle, I think a lot of consumers are going to want to stick with the most inconvenient types of shopping missions and shopping journeys being conducted online and being delivered to their door so that, you know, non-perishable household items, bulky items, um, things that you can almost auto-replenish in that sense because you, you, you know you need a 10-pack of this and a 10-litre of that um, branded product every six weeks. And, and I think, uh, you know, it's going to put more pressure whilst the last 12 months have seen pressure put on the digital transformation capabilities of retailers, the next 12 months are really going to be when consumers, working out what consumers want when they come back into store. And if they're taking a lot of the friction and the chores out of shopping by doing more of it online, so I think a lot of that will stick, then I think they're going to have even higher expectations of the service, the level of information, sort of level of transparency on, on pricing and provenance that they're going to expect to see in store. Um, doesn't necessarily mean it has to be an immersive experience if you're selling groceries, but you still have to make that experience digitally enabled um, so that it is easier, more convenient. I think the last reference to that is for those essential stores that have stayed open you see everyone on their phones doing their shopping on their phones nowadays so that's where we are now that consumers really are looking for a digitally enabled store journey that really matches and um, if not ex exceeds that that online convenience they, they've become so accustomed to that's a that's a very good point and i i think as a consumer that speaks to me um i, I i'm often bumping into trolleys and bumping into shells when I go and do the weekly shop for myself my wife and and her parents because I am I'm on my I'm on my phone doing exactly that and I really like that analogy about the balloon um I'm, I'm going to steal that and use that moving forward but I'll make sure that I'll make sure that everybody knows where it came from okay no worries <laughs> so with so much choice available to customers online and with customer experience and brand values more important than ever it seems like speed of execution has certainly become more important over the last year. In your professional opinion, Maya, what else is now a key area of investment and innovation for retailers? Gosh, um, speed of execution. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, in terms of spinning up delivery slots, um, responding to um, uncertainty and volatility in the supply chain. Um, there's so many ways you could characterize um, speed of execution. Um, perhaps your listeners would most likely associate that with, you know, all oh, my customers, they want one, one hour delivery. Is it, is it actually feasible? Should I do it? You know, should I, uh, bite that bullet um, and compete. I think, you know, it, it, it's interesting that consumers 
still are very price sensitive. Um, and if you are more transparent with the options that you offer them to say, you know, I think another good example, again, with Amazon, you see them start to, to, to nominate, you know, your Amazon day, where you get less parcels, um, but all on the same day rather than three or four delivery drivers over a week. Um, you know, that's great for sustainability, but it's also good for predictability for the retailer. Um, subscription models, being able to spin that up, that can help, um, again, with predictability of inventory. There's many things that you could be, um, that retailers could be characterizing of speed of, ex of execution. I think it boils down to the, the touchstone for me has to be to be able to, to say that you've truly digitally enabled every single touch point um, in that you have a single view of your inventory and your customers and your orders um, and you can orchestrate them um, accordingly um, and that the digital touch points are iteratively in that sense data driven so when you have that single view of your customers you you know what they want where they want it when they want it you can infer why they want it you can start to um maybe answer answer some of the questions about what will they want next what will they like in terms of services as well as products um you know um again amazon's launched a kickstarter style program for products and ranges with its own customers i mean it's not a new thing but again you know to see someone like amazon doing that apex predator of sort of digitally enabled retail um you know i think it's it's worth taking notice of um so there are there are so many things um from a speed to speed of execution perspective that retailers could look at but i really think it comes down to how digitally enabled you're making your processes and how data driven they can be as a result um, key areas of innovation and investment as a result have to be, I think we've covered a lot of ground today, but both the back end and the front of house, front of store has to be the supply chain, um, last mile fulfillment specifically, single view of inventory, and then in the front of store, putting that same information into the hands of your best brand advocates and your most expensive asset who are your people. Um, right-sizing the stores and making sure that they are digitally enabled and offer a, a digitally immersive option to customers that give them a reason to visit again, give them a reason to get come back out to stores. I mean, final point on that is anecdotally, you know, customers now coming into stores, re retailers are reporting that they have done a lot more research. And so they're coming in with higher levels of purchase intent, converting higher, at higher rates um, with bigger, bar bigger basket sizes. So if you're giving them the steps, the digital steps to engage with you early on in their decision-making process and sealing the deal with um, what you're offering in store, um, it's got to be the way to go in terms of investment and innovation as well. Yes, I, I agree. So the, the, the key takeaway there really is it, it's something which we've which we've talked about and we've highlighted in a couple of the other questions which you've answered. It's this this imperative view of this of this single view of of the inventory, which feeds everything to do with your omni-channel ca capabilities. So, so so to our next our next point, with the retail and consumer landscape having changed so much over the last twelve months, and likely to as you say continue to change for some time to come. 
apart from fulfillment approaches and inventory visibility, which are obviously very important, what do you think retail brands need to be most aware of in 2021 and, and now probably realistically going into 2022 as well? Well, I think, you know, they need to be they need to be aware of that consumer demand. One thing I, I, I should have sort of said was that, you know, I think some interesting research that we've been working on together has shown that, um, you know, 57% of respondents, consumer respondents, reported that home delivery was their most popular option. And then it, after that, it was sort of 30% who cite click and collect and then 12% wanting contactless and curbside. So uh, the pressure on fulfilling is important but also there's huge pressures on returns as well um so i think when we when i mentioned in your first question which i think was a great opener in terms of you know what are the big macro problems what that boils down to from a supply chain standpoint for retailers is having that single view of inventory it has to be um to be the most efficient you can be. Um, you know, when you think of all the different ways that retailers have tried to skin the supply chain cap, there are many, you know, there's upstream and there's downstream. But when you're talking about that fulfilling, meeting that consumer demand um, and the different types of fulfillment required now, you know, I'm thinking about and an Amazon's random sortation system, for example, that's um, we're seeing increases in um, investment in micro fulfillment. I mean, if your warehouse isn't voice enabled, then, you know, you're probably not even 2000 and late, much as this 2000, you know, 2020. Um, there are so many things that you can do to optimize, but I think, and so many technologies involved in doing so, but I think it all boils down to that single strategic goal of, of, of having a single view of your inventory so that you can optimize the route between your stores and your customers wherever they want their products um, fulfilled to them and wherever that might be um, and the final point to make is just you know the looming issue of returns in in the, in the background there I keep saying it I don't know if Amazon's actually going to do it but I hear that they they are thinking about um, incorporating the reverse logistics process into the delivery process and when you think about what does that mean, it's actually it's like, my God, that's a no brainer. It, basically, you and I and a lot of people listening are, have probably had X number of Amazon delivery drivers to their door in a week or a month. And if you knew you had a return product and they could give you the packaging and the brown paper and have the, the list pre-printed for you and give you that for you to sort that out until the next time that, the, that they came to the door and pick up the returns at the same time. Imagine how much easier that would be. Um, the returns process is a huge headache for consumers, but it's an absolute sinkhole for retailers. And um, again, that research that we did, it really stuck out that only around a third, 34% of retail respondents said that they can actually put a returned item back on the shop floor and make it available online. So the process processes behind doing that, much as there's a visibility to be able to do that, um, are woefully lacking. And, um, you know, it's, it's hugely important to improve order fulfillment operations and the returns processes in order not only to lead to a more efficient shopping process on the part of the retailer, but more of a seamless experience, as I've kind of suggested Amazon strongly do on the part of the consumer as well. 
Mm, very good point there, Maya. And I think there's also there's, there's probably a third element to consider when, when you're thinking about returns, just the carbon footprint of it and the impact that it has on the environment. Um, if if you're if you're a consumer and you're buying you're buying three three sizes of a, a t-shirt or a or a pair of shorts and you're going to send two of them back, then you, you need to consider, don't you, every single element that that you're taking part in 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 the supply chain process right from the warehouse all the way to your front door and then back again as part of this reverse logistics quite what that impact on on the environment is i feel do feel strongly i have to quickly interject here and say that that is a fault on the part of a non-digitally transformed retailer that they are putting their their customers in a position where they feel that they have to order three sizes of everything in order to find something that fits. I mean, when you've got AR, this is off, you know, this is not supply chain, this is customer facing, this is the front end. Um, But, you know, you've got AR and VR and all sorts of ways of digitally measuring and sizing. I think we've seen IKEA lead the way with its um, furniture fitting and even do that on the Amazon app now, I think, um, with certain household items. and uh, Nike's fitting service is, uh, you know, been wildly popular. So there are ways of, I think, uh, addressing the sustainability issue at both ends. Reverse logistics are hugely important as well, but also designing, um, uh, uh, designing a system to elicit the behaviour that you seek is probably a good, another good one there as well. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. And I, I wasn't aware that IKEA were doing that. So I'm, I'm going to jump onto the IKEA site and, and see how some of their furniture fits into uh, one of my new decorated rooms. Yeah, yes. I think you need the app and you need the native capabilities of the app. So, you know, all the, gyro- the gyroscopes and so on, the gyrometers, so, so that it can know where you are in the room as you put it there. That's the advantage of everything going mobile, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. That's, um, that, that, that's a, good, a good point to, to end on. And on that very positive note, that is indeed a wrap for today. Uh, I'd like to thank our guest for today's episode, Maya Knights, and I'd also like to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. If you'd like to take part in any future episodes, do feel free to send us a DM via Twitter with a suggested topic. That Twitter handle that you'll need is Manhasok News, or you can reach us on LinkedIn if you'd prefer. Similarly, if you'd like to get in touch with our guest for today, Maya. Maya? Yes, thank you. Um, uh, my Twitter handle is Mazanites. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn with my real name. And um, you can check out or uh, also get my contact details from retailtechnology.co.uk and .co.usa, um, which is the website, uh, retail news website that I publish. Thanks. Excellent. If you've enjoyed today's episode and want to find out more about any of the topics or statistics Maya and I discussed, visit manh.com and search for the white paper titled The New Normal, Meeting and Exceeding Customer Expectations. Until next time, it's goodbye from Maya. Goodbye. And it's a thank you from me for listening. Stay well, everybody, and join us again soon on the Nucleus of Innovation.